Hey guys, this is John uh, from the Nerdum of God podcast. I hope everyone's having a great day. Uh, just want to give you something about this special episode we're dropping on Tuesday, uh, September 13th. Uh, it's going to be a little bit different because we told everyone we were going to be doing one, one every other Tuesday. And, but because it's September 11th, we just want to have a conversation about that. There's not a lot of nerdy stuff going on in this episode. So if you came to you know listen to me and Joey talk about nerdy stuff, uh, not really going to be the case this time. We're going to be talking a lot about politics and a lot about the country and, and how that relates to Christianity. And so if you've just had your fill of political talk or that's not something that interests you, you can just wait till next week till we drop another one. By the way, I know I sound funny. I'm on the laptop mic. Don't worry. The audio is much better than the actual conversation that Joey and I have. Hope everyone has a wonderful day, and I hope you enjoy the Nerdum of God podcast. Makes me happy. Yeah, it makes me happy, too. Uh, so uh, who would win in a street fight? Like without, without it, without their suit, without any type of accoutrement, who would win? Captain America, Spider Man, or Daredevil? Captain America. You really think that he'd be able to? to well, like he already okay. So no shield. Hmm. I still think Captain America. Because like, does Spider Man have his web shooters? I would say yes for the simple reason of they're always on him. Uh, like they're they're on the wrist. But like if you're out in the like if he's out, he can wear a long sleeve shirt and cover up his web shooters. I mean, Captain puts on a big jacket and he's covering his shield. Yeah, I don't right. think that's how that works. Unless he's being drawn by Rob Leffeld and with the huge chest and the huge back, I mean, it might work. Weird. Then. He could hide between his packs. Um, uh, well, no, like whatever. I still think Captain um, in a street brawl because Spider Man would if because if Daredevil doesn't have sticks. Spider-Man could just, like, web-shoot him, and I don't know. Do you think it would be more along the lines that almost the fact that because Cap is such a good dude that Spider-Man and Daredevil might be the one that try to take... Like, they'd be maybe less likely to hit Cap in the face because <laughs> he's such a good dude? Um, I don't know, and but... And Matt like, Murdock's kind of a douche, and so is Peter Parker, but Cap's just, like, a real nice dude. <laughs> but Captain may be like, oh my gosh, this guy's blind. I can't touch a blind guy. <laughs> and then that may play right into that. Like, help, I can't just reach him out. Like, um, where where am I? And then once he gets a hold of him, just, like, daredevils him in the face. <laughs> I love how you use daredevil as a verb. <laughs> I love daredevil. daredevil. I know you do. He's got a really good comic right now. Um, Spider-Man just made an appearance. <laughs> Spoiler. Which one? The uh, the man with no fear. He went to no no no. The, which Spider Man? Oh, like Peter Parker. Yeah, how? Because he's in Hong Kong or not Hong Kong. He's in Tokyo, right? Or Shanghai? Yeah, he. Good little world Asian creatures. Oh my god! There's a bunch of them, buddy. Uh, I think he. Mm, I forget where they were actually. Now I think in Tokyo, maybe. But um, the uh, it's it's Peter Sh- Parker. It's Shanghai because it's China. I remember now. You remember now? Was oh, it China? Okay, then Shanghai. I've been there. I know you have, yeah. Yeah, you did that the same week of my wedding, so thanks. Yeah, but, well, you know, I had to think, travel internationally, go to this lame-ass wedding. Fine, I'll go international. I actually felt really bad. No, you didn't. I did, too. I did, too, because then, for one, wasn't asked to be a groomsman, but then was like, hey, can you, like, be a... You know, an usher. door holder or something, and an usher. Then I was like, an usher. Um, yeah, sorry about you, but I'll be in. Uh, Chump. Still part. Of, still part of the wedding party. I don't know why you're complaining. I don't know. I wanted to be best man. Whatever. That was my brother. If you ain't first, you're last, John. All right. 
If life has taught us anything. You can't see that, but I was holding up my finger as number one. Ricky Bobby. Uh, That's one of my fantasy football team names is if you ain't first, you're last. My my fantasy football name is uh, Odell No. Odell No. Odell Beckham Jr. Yeah, I like it. Odell No. I'm in two leagues. One of them, um, I have... Uh, Andrew Luck and Adrian Peterson, and I call my team Lucky Peters. <laughs> <laughs> so that one's been a lot of... I like that league better, <laughs> because it's more fun. Because um, um, if I lose, it's like I'm still cracking up every time I get on there. <laughs> so do you, would you say that fantasy football is a non-nerd's way of role-playing? Oh, Totally. Like, there's people who know more about their fantasy team than they, I do my D&D character. <laughs> well, and, like, also, I feel like the... the well, because let's, let's be honest, though. The nerdy part, the nerdiest part of D&D is not number... I mean, is not role-playing. Because you do that crap all the time. You do it while you're telling stories. You do it while you're impersonating people. Uh, you do it when you say, if I had a million dollars, I would do this. Or, you know, hmm. people role play kind of all the time. But the nerdiest part of any type of, like, dice and paper RPG is the number crunch. Is oh, of, yeah. I mean, just the fact that uh, you're you're having modifiers and you're rolling dice and you're having to... Well, but also there's this part about my character that allows me to have a, two extra of this. And so... Yeah, it's it's that's probably the nerdiest part. Just most of us can. But that's what fantasy football is. It. That's literally you're taking all the role playing out of this thing, out of a fantasy game, which it literally has fantasy in the name. Yeah, and just putting in the number crunch. True, and the, the like, thing is, you're just you are not affecting the like the outcome. Like a player is basically like in fantasy football, every team members the DM. It's because like yeah. like a, they're performing their own thing, and then from that total is how you they're, get. It. They're the the GM. GM. They're the game. The master. general manager. The I'm, I'm, oh, I'm sorry. referencing the fact of them. Or that <laughs> are the general managers in football? Yes. I thought it was just baseball. No, oh. general managers. Oh, okay. Cool. General managers basically anybody that that is in charge of personnel. They have different names, but <clears throat> general managers in charge of personnel and football. drafting and hiring. Yeah, American football for all of our international listeners, not soccer. I differentiate now when I talk about soccer. I, t- I say football, not football, and then I say football for American football. Well, like when you so, realize that more people play what we call soccer in the world than like all of the American teams combined, uh, uh, baseball, basketball, football. It's like, yeah, guys. Um, soccer, and I played soccer uh, for several years. I really enjoy soccer. I love watching soccer, but like. Most Americans don't. <laughs> well, I, I mean, I have an appreciation for soccer. I do not enjoy it because of how I was, who I was introduced to it by, and how I was forced to play football oh. or soccer, I should say. But like, I have an appreciation for it. I understand why people like it. I personally don't like. I like to keep track of like World Cup, and I, yeah. like, to, I like to keep track of like. Um, Oh crap! The European leagues and MLS. Hmm. I keep track of it, but I will never watch a soccer game. Hmm. Uh, like on, like if there's nothing else on, maybe I'll kick it on and, and or kick back and forth and watch part of it. But you know, they say that soccer players run like over five miles each match, and I'm like, oh yeah, easily. I'm, I'm like, no, I'm good. It's like, no, bro, we're, dude. I. Uh... I think I could, like just maybe I'm a better American than you are, but like if USA is playing, I'm gonna watch like them flip quarters. <laughs> like so, if it's soccer, I, I'm, I'm also down. I just I don't know, man. Like I don't mind watching the world. Like World Cup's probably the only time I would tune into a soccer game. 
That that would be probably about the only time. I mean, I even I do have a favorite international player. I keep track of him. I love Wayne Rooney for uh, for England. Okay. Uh, and you know he plays. Uh, he used to play for Manchester United. I don't know if he still does or not, but he used to play for Manchester United. So I mean, uh, yeah, Wayne Rooney's pretty cool. He's a striker. I know. I can. I'm. I, I found myself being like still. Like, I enjoy him, but I'm like a passive participant because. Um, I don't actively follow anything, or even like even American sports. But uh-huh. uh, but if it's on, are you tell me you're uh, not. You tell me you're not a hooligan. No, I'm not a hooligan. Man, it would. I mean, can you would, imagine? You like, would, but you do look like the the whole look of a hooligan. I, I can imagine you in. in dude, a, if I was in Ireland right now with this red beard, <laughs> it would be epic. I'd be burning buildings and destroying. changing your name. What what would your Irish name be? Oh, ooh, that's a good one. I don't know. I think, like, I would want to be called, like, Tab O'Malley. <laughs> Tab O'Malley. <laughs> yeah, Tab O'Malley. You sound like a jazz drummer, and you don't want anybody to know, like like Ron Sonson was on Parks and Rec, where he played Duke Silver. <laughs> <laughs> Tab O'Malley. Tab O'Malley, yeah. Don't judge me. That's, that's off the top of my head. Give me a break. Um. But yeah, I read a great, uh, great humorous article where it talked about uh, sports fans are just nerds and like they cosplay just like nerds do, and it shows like it's a cartoon. Mm-hmm. And on one side, it's got a guy dressed up as like Harry Potter going to a convention. And on the other side, it's got a sports fan. They're dressed in their team, their favorite player's jersey. Yeah, uh, that's cosplay. That's all that is. Well, yeah, ultimately you're typically, and they'll paint their faces. You know, Green Bay Packer fans will wear the big cheese hats, and and it's like, come on. Like you're 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 just enjoying something else, but you're enjoying it the same way that I enjoy what I'm doing. Well, and this is um, where and this is where we loop back back around to what we think nerdom is, and this is a great introduction to the Nerdom of God podcast. Welcome, by the way, you've just heard part of our conversation. Heyo, that'll continue on. Uh, this one is actually being recorded on September 11th, so you'll hear us reference that a little bit. A very uh, hard time in our nation's nation's history, and by the way, first time. First time as a teacher, I'll ever have a kid who will that there's no chance that they were. I'll have students that will have no chance of being born. Mm. First, uh, first eighth grade class to ever do so. Ninth grade, if they got held back, it was possible. Uh, or if they got a, started a year later, it was possible they were alive when nine eleven happened. But this is the first year that eighth graders won. Yeah, but even if they were alive, though, I mean, they, they were, never remember it. Yeah, but it's now, like, this is the first time it's technically history in the fact that they weren't. And I put history in quotations. History. Um, <laughs> We really need to video this thing that way when I do this. So everyone can see your quotations. Yeah. Yeah. Like, this yeah. guy's an idiot and they don't realize I'm being sarcastic or using hand motions to further explain my point. Yeah, well, if you'd stop flipping me off, that'd be great right now. <laughs> Sorry. I guess video would keep that from happening. <laughs> no, no, it's still <laughs> got you. Everyone. Everyone would just be able to appreciate it more. True, thanks. Ah, such is life. You're number um, one. Yeah, I'm number one. <laughs> Woo! Uh, okay, I mean... <laughs> Whatever, but you're uh, the number one. Do you um? Do you <laughs> you're, remember your rocker? Your John, your Jonathan T. Rocker, because he was number one. Oh, ha ha! Next ha, generation, ha, yeah, Beardsley McBeardsman. He's the <laughs> he, dude who always like propped his leg up on everything. Yes, and hip thrusted the camera. Yeah, <laughs> he was. All right, he was the Kirk of of the Next Generation crew. He was. It's literally in that show. Kirk, Kirk was uh, Kirk was became the first mate. And then Spock became a navigator because that was Data's whole thing. Mm-hmm. And then basically you have a gentler Dr. McCoy becomes 
the practical one was a little bit more refined and like from from France instead of from uh, instead of from Kentucky. Yeah, uh, that's how that went down. It's weird that Jean Luc Picard is like literally got the most English dude ever to play someone from the shores oh, of France. Dude, I, on an interview with him, I remember like they said he recorded the intro with a French accent. And that they were like, they called him back in, like, yeah, no, no, yeah, that's not going to work. We're going to need to. Well, why at that point would you not change the name if you realize that the French accent's not going to work? Why, yeah, why even call him? Literally, all you'd, all you'd have to do is, like, John Picard. Yeah. And then you'd true. have to change Riker's name because you'd have a, fa- a, a freaking Ward family situation where there's a John, Johnny, John, 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 John. John. <laughs> is it, is it, is it John spelled like John Luke Picard? Like, it's John. It's John Luke Picard. J O J E A N. Oh, see, so change that to J O and and just John Picard, and it sounds American or British, I guess, uh, rather yeah. than Jean Luc Picard. <laughs> do you do you have something in your mouth? <laughs> peanut butter. Do you have peanut butter in your mouth? Jean Luc Picard. Jean Douglas. Franks. By the way, if you hear a clicking sound, that's because that I'm a I'm clicking a pin like an like an a hole, and so it's nothing wrong with our our technical support. You gonna make that noise now, <laughs> so, man? John, John, really John is a, yeah. Good lord, get it together. Be a professional, Franks. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah, exactly. Um, um, we've no. wasted a solid thirteen minutes of this podcast. Really? Yeah. Um, well. Let's stop doing that then. Well, what were we talking about beforehand? Uh, well, just to keep the ball rolling, you know, you mentioned nine eleven. You mentioned, you know, you're a teacher. There's kids that aren't going to even have been alive when that happened. Do you remember where you were? Yeah, I was in uh, Miss Smith's algebra class. We just got done taking a test. Hmm. Uh, this was way back in the day where news uh, news sites didn't stream any of their live newscasts. They just basically made, at best put up thirty second clips because we were in dial up internet age and. Uh, I remember Miss Smith. We just got done taking a test, and I remember her looking nervous and clicking a whole lot. And then I realized later that she was refreshing the web page to see if they had added any more to the story. Mm. And uh, I saw her run out of the classroom when the bell rang. That was first period. I went across the hallway to Miss Baker's, who was the librarian at the time, uh, and she was a GT teacher. And we had a huge, uh, huge uh, TV, a big screen TV in the library. And I actually saw live the second plane hit the. Uh, Hit the second building. Mm. Um, it had just, I don't know if I saw it live or it had just happened. It was one of the two. But I remember that walking in, asking what was up. Plane hit the plane hit a tower, and then the second plane hit. So were you an eighth grader then? I think so. Yes. Okay, I think so because I, th- I believe I was a sixth grader. Because I would have. <laughs> so I think so. Yeah, I would have been an eighth grader. See, this is also crazy because, like, of all days, um, I was home sick that day. And it's the weirdest thing to get. And I remember uh, I actually was legitimate sick, and my older brother uh, like just didn't want to go to school either because he knew I was going to stay home, and he was just like, "Well, you're a math test." Oh, well, then that's probably why. And he was like, "I don't feel good either, Mom. Can I stay home with Joey?" And uh, <laughs> she said, "Sure." So we stayed home, and I remember um, she got back in. She was going to, you know, stay the day with us, I think. And uh, <clears throat> I was like all geared up on the couch thinking, you know, I'm, what are you, in 6th grade, 12 years old? Yeah. I was like, Spongebob for days. The, I, Spongebob was on. And I remember either she got a phone call or she just like switched channels or something during a commercial. And uh, I remember her basically getting really serious. And, you know, I'm like, yeah. I'm 12 and I, I, I don't, all I'm thinking about is, <laughs> I'm sick, let me watch my Spongebob. And I remember her saying, 
that a, like boys be quiet, like something bad just happened, and and she and then we're like not. Like, we're, I didn't think I was old enough really to understand at the time. Uh, even though being a sixth grader, I, I was still kind of, you know, it was like hate something in the morning. And mm-hmm. uh, and uh, watching it, just being like, what's going on? Not really understanding, like, we were being attacked. Americans were dying. I didn't know what the World Trade Center was at the time. Yeah. And so, like, she was trying to explain to me, like, no, oh, this is, like, like where a lot of the world's business meets. And this is where, and, and it was just really uh, just such a somber morning, yeah. you know. Well, but to be home, though, yeah. and, like, because, you know, I wasn't at school. I didn't go to the next class or the next class. Or, I was just there. We just watched it all, all the news updates, every yeah. bit of information. And then did the plane in Pennsylvania go down the same day? Yes, went down the same day. Uh, first tower was hit. Uh, second tower was hit. And about the time the second tower was hit, the the third plane hit the Pentagon. Mm, and Pentagon, then, okay. And then you had the fourth, plane of, the fourth plane of Pennsylvania that was supposedly heading towards the White House or Camp David. They never decided which one. Uh, mm. And it went down um, in a field in Pennsylvania. Yeah. Uh, see, and so our, our, our experiences are different because you were very much a solid... You were no, you weren't by yourself, but it was very much more along the lines of you weren't around other people. Yeah, and was. I was at school. And, of course, Mom... So... The way it went down is that automatically, as soon as I hit that thing, uh, so I hit the tower. Eventually, I got a hold of Uncle David, and I go, "Hey, what's going on?" And he said, "He said, I know." He, I, asked, I go, do "You know what's going on, right?" And he said, "Yeah." He said, "I go, what do we, what do we need to do?" And he goes, "I don't know." He goes, and he was going to the office, hmm. uh, and so I went. I stayed in the library for second period and just watched it on the big screen TV, and then about third or fourth period. I think before lunch, they called us into the gym for an assembly and uh, explained to everybody what was going on. And at that time, we'd already had parents come pick their kids up, wow. like just being like scared. And then we went out and did a, a we gathered around the flagpole and prayed and had a moment of silence. And then I remember after lunch, like, of course, Charlotte didn't have that many kids anyways, but I had like 22 in my class. And by the time we got to the latter part of the day, there was only like seven or eight of us left at the school. Half of them had been picked up. Mm, wow. um, and of course, I couldn't go home. That didn't happen to me because mom worked at the school. <laughs> yeah, she was there. Uh, but I remember driving back home and the gas station in front of the cell barn at Charlotte, uh, cars being backed out because it only had two pumps, mm-hmm. backed out both ways to the road for people wanting gas. And uh, I didn't know this, but I talked to Uncle David later, and he he talked about how proud he was of our two communities, Cord and Charlotte, because neither one of them gouged prices like they did in Batesville, Newport, and Jonesboro. Like, none of them raised their gas prices when people were panicking and getting gas. Mm -hmm. And then, also, I think one or both of those stores stayed open an hour late until everyone got got the gas they needed. Yeah. I think I know Cord did. Um, And so, you know, it it was just a weird time, and... Uh, I tried to explain to my kids, and we're going to talk more about it tomorrow because <clears throat> I want them to be able to kind of, uh, those who didn't don't know anything about it, to kind of experience what they see on the TV or see on Facebook or, or whatever, and then let's talk about it tomorrow in class. But uh, it's just weird because none of my kids, since I've started, remember what life was like before 9-11. Mm-hmm. And there's a, it's a clear delineation. Like, uh, you'd ask anybody... Before nine eleven, what a terrorist looked like, and yeah, some of them are going to say someone uh, the the stereotypical terrorist is. You know, some of them will give you know descriptions of someone who's Arabic and and, and who's Muslim, which I'm not advocating that at all. But we all a lot of people do have that image when you say terrorist is it's radical Islamic terrorism, not mm-hmm. any other type of terrorism. 
And so a lot of people think of that, but if you'd ask someone before 9-11 what, what a terrorist looked like, some of them was going to say a white dude in military fatigues and an assault rifle who hides out in the woods and hates the government because of the Oklahoma City bombing with Timothy McVeigh. Because mm-hmm. they were a government separatist group that he was representing. Yeah. Um, and so it's just kind of weird because how that changed completely. Uh, it changed so much. I mean, and you, you, know, you mentioned that what probably people view would think of a terrorist now. And I think so much of that has to do with, you know, Osama bin Laden was on TV for 10 years. Mm-hmm. You know, we were seeing pictures of him and little video clips of, like, you know, him saying he orchestrated everything and until, until essentially, you know, until we finally hunted him down. Um, yeah, dude, it's, it's hard stuff. It, like, makes you, you know, I saw on social media this morning um, getting ready. Some people were, were kind of already reposting things they'd posted and been like, never forget and I was really sitting there just trying to think, like, what does that mean, though? Like, never forget. And then there's an image of, you know, the firefighters yeah. pulling the flag or the smoke rolling out. And it's just, it's a weird thing to try to think about to wrap your head around. Yeah. Like, what does it even mean, though? Like, what does 9-11 mean anything to some of these kids? Yeah. Because, um, like, I feel like to us it definitely, um, it just means a lot. It means that there were there's so much... Uh, of our lives, because you know I fly pretty often. I mean, and yeah. from what I'm told, flying is so different now than it was before yeah. then. Well, you talk about you know I've, there's a great documentary I watched that they put out basically chronicling chronicling like every basically every step that happened and the guys that boarded the plane uh, from the time that they went in to check in to the time that they were actually put into the plane thirty minutes, mm. like thirty minutes of them. That's them showing up at the airport, getting their baggage checked, going through security, and I put that in quotation marks, right. and then waiting on for the terminal to open so they can get in the plane. 30 minutes. Wow. And now, goodness, it's... Yeah. I've never flown before, but I know I've heard of people talk about it, and I've seen, you know, uh, you know everyone kind of knows what you have to do, and you go through the metal detectors, and you take off your shoes, and you empty all your pockets, and you're wanded, and you can't have liquids, and you can't do this, and mm-hmm. you can't do that. and Even uh, if you get... Like, through, sometimes they can still say, if it doesn't give you just a totally clean bill, they'll still pull you to the side and touch your hands with this little wand. I'm not sure what it does. If there's, like, a residual something they're looking for, or uh, they'll wand you again, or they'll ask you to go to the back. I mean, it's just, like, it's it's so um, invasive and intensive. Well, and also, they, you do know that the TSA did a security check on themselves, or someone did a security check, and basically, like, 80% of the peop- of what would have been violations got through anyways. Really? Yeah. And so... They must have had lazier uh, I mean, it's, people than I've had. Well, did intensive checks and everything else, though. Like, literally, people people got through. Like, the, the and they've done this... They did this at several different airports. Um, just had random people run through that either had items on them that were, were forbidden or had... Uh, they had touched something that should have set off the bomb polymer test. That should, oh, okay, yeah, 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 stuff like that. And and eighty percent of them were able to get through no problem. Wow. And so, like, I don't know how much that does. And of course, the libertarian in me is in is like, you know, don't invade my security, leave me the heck alone, <laughs> or my privacy, not security. Don't invade my privacy. I'll take my chances. Uh, you know, I don't have to go through this. I shouldn't have to go <laughs> through this. But at the same time, I understand like it's a it's more along the lines of it doesn't really stop a whole lot, but it makes people feel safer. It, it makes people feel safer, and what it goes, it goes back to Fight Club. 
oxygen really doesn't help. Yeah, it just it it oxygen gets certain. people high, and so and again, like, what is it? The, the plane is going down, and all it goes, look at them, peaceful as Hindu cows. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, so that's. Uh, never had the oxygen pop out on a plane for me well that's good because that meant there's a really bad emergency or there's a technical failure that is caused yeah if it pops it. out i'm grabbing that sucker regardless even if we're cruising we're fine I'm like brad pitt said i should breathe this <laughs> no but yeah it's it's definitely it's changed so much so just the, the 9-11 and it uh, and I, I want it to matter i want it to mean something because i feel like there's um Especially like in the last five years, the world's gotten so weird. The America, I should say, has gotten so weird and politically correct, which we hear all about all the time. And and it's so frustrating because it's like, no, it's okay for us to be mad and defensive and proud of our nation and and wanting to feel safe. And I feel like sometimes I don't want to see nine eleven. And and I I guarantee you, and there will be there are. I'm sure there's people who just like think that even trying to remember it is somehow disrespectful to. Uh, a culture or a creed or a race or something. Yeah, I don't. I don't see any problem with. Uh, I, I I want to remember it and it should be remembered. But I also am. I'm also afraid as both an American as a Christian that it's going to be remembered for the wrong things. Especially as a believer, nine eleven should never be remembered more for the fact that it was an attack on America more than how many people died and how many people had to experience grief and suffering and sickness because mm-hmm. of all the stuff that happened. Like, that should always be number one. Um, and we should be, I, my opinion is, and you might disagree, that we should be able to differentiate. That should be a separate thing than the fact there was an attack on our nation. Oh, I agree. You, you know what I, I agree mean? completely because something that we can't lose or forget is the fact that um, so much unity happened yeah. right after the attack. So many, uh, you know, Baton Rouge just was majorly flooded, right? Yeah. And you see all, all you see people from all over the nation driving lumber there, driving uh, waters there, driving um, people giving of their time and of their resources. And you saw that to a the nth degree yeah. after nine eleven. People were like, what can we do? What, how can we serve? How can we help? How, where can we house people? And so I think like that sense of like unity. Um, it's just such a testament to God's grace and the fact that yeah, something horrible happened and. Um, the fact that, and, and I think any time, and I, at the time I didn't know this, um, but now anytime there's any type of sorrow or mourning or grief that I'm feeling, I, I'm reminded that God is good and God is in control. Yeah. And like those two things, if you can always just kind of keep in mind, hey, God is good, God is in control, then uh, even the nine of the world doesn't, they don't cause us to lose hope. Yeah. And, you know, nine eleven and everything else that's come along after, the, after this, and especially all the things we have going on, has, I, I have a lot of thoughts that maybe run against what most mainstream Christians think or what most American Christians think. Uh, I really think that one of the, especially the American church, one of the unseen and kind of untalked about sins uh, that we have in our life is nationalism. The idea of putting one, combining one's country with... The idea of God and putting those things two to, two together, yeah, elevating um, that nationalism to even patriotism to a point yeah, where yeah, um, and we've talked about this. Like, I don't like seeing an American flag in a church; it bothers me. Like, I, I don't like it hmm. uh, be, okay. because, and of course, I hate the Christian flag too. Uh, I hate the idea of us having a flag. Oh like, yeah, it's it's, uh, it's lame sauce. Yeah, um, but I just I, I really. 
Well, but you know, I mean, yeah. I mean, Jesus even said, you know, hey, like even when the Pharisees tried to dupe him um, yeah. on taxes, and he was like, render unto Caesar what is Caesar's. Like even he yeah. took a uh, mindset of like, hey guys, like chill, chill the freak out with your your yeah. nationalist agenda or the yeah. problems that you're trying to like raise. Like, um, I do agree that there should be a, a separation. Like, yeah, you, but it's something that you can because then even Paul being a Roman citizen, it granted him a lot of freedoms. Um, but like ultimately, he forsake everything that identified him before Christ and found only like yeah. himself in Christ. Well, and like you know, I have people in my life, and I, I'm not going to call them out by name, that really freak out over stuff political. And I'm like, listen, this is my citizenship doesn't belong here. My citizenship, I'm is the kingdom of God mm-hmm. that has come and is continuing to come. And I don't think I think a lot of Christians have a problem with that. They either put their their status as an American on par with their status as a as a member or a citizen of the kingdom of God, or they, sometimes they even put it above it, or they oh, combine yeah. those two together. That America represents the kingdom of God, yeah, and, yeah. and people don't understand is that you know they talk about how much worse America all, is off now, but then you know those same people don't count slavery as a harsh sin like no we had six million people enslaved for the first half of like first quarter to half of this country's history like that has to count as sin and you know it needs to be counted as sinful and people don't no true and and, and i don't know if it's just being raised in in that like that nationalism but i do agree that um you can be you can have pride in like your nation and in your country but like not to the point where you're sacrificing um or, or equating anything spiritual with yeah. um, your like nationalism. Yeah, and, and what, what I'm trying to say by this is that part of that nationalism comes from an America that never was. People say, mm. well, you know, America used to be this and we used to be godly. No, America has never been godly. Anything that's been set up by man has never been godly, uh, including the government <laughs> systems that's been used to run it. Well, and, you know, you can talk about slavery. You can talk about racism and segregation afterwards. You can talk about... Uh, you know, you can talk about the fact of political manipulation in order to find out uh, uh, of waging unjust wars to stop a pl- another political ideology. You can talk about, um, you know, you can talk about tons of different things about how America wasn't holy at any point in its existence. Mm-hmm. But we look back and we want to say that at one point America was good. I mean, even if you track all the way back to the pilgrims who came here because they wanted to get away from what they viewed as the evils of Europe, mm-hmm. what is the first thing they start doing automatically? They, you know, they devolve down into claiming everybody's a witch and killing people off because they're left-handed or because they're uh, because they acted weird or because you know yeah, a little eccentric, or a little yeah, and, and so like. Even going back to what should have been the holiest, and I put that in quotation marks, that America's ever been with the pilgrims, where we weren't. Oh, yeah. I mean, and, and the thing is, though, even if someone like came up and was like, we need to make America great again, like, you could just point and say, okay, like, when was it great? Yeah. Like, point. Because you, you, I, I'm, you know, I was a biology major, right? And so I'm a big science guy. I love. Uh, data and and statistics and I love to like I want I love being like okay like show me the proof yeah I'm a big analytical type person in that mindset where like don't post something on Facebook that says 80% of this blah blah no show me that study show me the numbers yeah. show me like because you can't just say things and the problem with the internet has granted people to have a voice who maybe not uh, maybe aren't the 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 I guess sometimes the um, loudest people are the m- most least informed um, 
where sometimes the louder I shout, the less information I have to have. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and so it's kind of frustrating for me. Um, so yeah, no, I see what you're saying um, as far as that goes. But I, I just hope that I hope that 9/11 can just be um, we can have a somber remembrance that um, that rem- it, it essentially like reminds us of the fall ultimately. Um, and you know, uh, even even that day, even the story, because I think every story follows God's story. Um, yeah, you know, there's the creation, there's the fall, there's redemption, and there's restoration. And and even in that, like the the, the creation being, hey, it was a you know beautiful September morning, and then there was a fall, there was damage, there was pain, there was suffering that came in. Um, but then there was redemption. There was people. There was unity. There were people who were um, who came to know God because of that. And, yeah, yeah. And church church attendance what like spiked to like double for like four months afterwards though. Yeah, people like, started immediately like rushing to go to God. And of course, what it's, it's, it was religious services across the board. I mean, it yeah, it wasn't like but, a, it wasn't like the Catholic services really spiked. It was like any type of. of any type of religious in general, like the synagogues were full, from what I've heard, and like in different places that member attendance was up. And mm-hmm. uh, but yeah, one thing I do want to talk about real quick about nine eleven is something I found interesting, kind of backing away from the overall importance is that I don't remember nine eleven without when I visualize nine eleven in my head, I can't do it. I can't pull back a memory without having the news outline. Like the news, like on a news site, how a news channel, how they have the layout, how they have the yeah, runner like at the bottom, right at the bottom yeah. yeah, and the stuff at the top about what's. I can't remember nine eleven without having that stuff on there because that's the only way you experienced it through was through the television. True, yeah. And so I think it's interesting about how literally what the way we look at different events and nine eleven is a perfect example. Is how, and also through now we even get more examples of like through Facebook and through mm-hmm. through social media and stuff. Uh, how. I'm viewing an historical event through the lens of some someone else. Like I, that's the only way that that information was disseminated down to me, and so like my mind is automatically tied to AB, the ABC News logo at the bottom left. And later on, when they show the replays, like on CNN and stuff, the replays there. Uh, that's the only way I can I, I know it. And just like the Paris attack and I mean, the Paris terrorist attack last year, the only way I remember I remember it is seeing tweets and posts on Facebook and. Everything else. It's just so crazy how uh, technology's become our lens for so much, uh, which can is a good thing and a bad thing at the same time. I would say mostly, mostly it should be benign in the fact that it doesn't matter. Yeah. But it can really easily be turned twisted to evil. Oh, if you're getting like just the facts and just the happening, then it's great and benign and, and helpful. Uh, if it's if it's the other lens, I'd say not so much. Like I noticed, um, I was talking to a coworker about this recently, and I was like, you know, you check. And even the ABCs and the Foxes and the CNNs, and, and, like now, some of their news postings are essentially retweeting. Like if you look at a like yep. a you know a bomb in <clears throat> bomb in uh, Turkey or um, the Philippines or whatever, what you then see is under that is them having the cutout of tweets that have been tweeted and they're putting it on their site because what they're what you can now have and that we've never had is. Uh, not a journalist providing you what's actually happening on the ground, and that just blows my mind. That and that's what I was talking to my coworker about just the fact that now someone just like me—it's like imagine being uh, at an airport and something happening, and then you're saying like, "You're—I could just immediately be tweeting to, and then that way, however many followers I have are seeing, okay, Joey is in this location, 
these are the people he's seen. This is what's just happening. This is, and so you get probably even more details than we ever have before because you're getting someone like there on the ground or they're in the bathroom, like in the Orlando shooting. You know, someone yep. was like texting his mom and saying like, "He's in here. I see his boots. I this is that." And like, like that never would have happened before because he didn't survive. Yeah, you know. And th- how else would he have ever communicated to his mother? Well, yeah, and I tell my kids all the time, we talk about primary sources and secondary sources in history, I go, and there's going to be in about 100 years a kid's, uh, uh, young adult's going to be writing his dissertation, and he's going to be talking about youth that live in the Mid-South of, of the United States. And I go, he's going to have access to databases and everything else, a Facebook post, Instagram post, tweets, and literally there's going to be one that says, quote, get, get spelled G-I-T, good, G-U-D, uh, hashtag Dark Souls, hashtag... Uh, noob hashtag leet, uh, and then there's going to be the parentheses out telling what that was. I go, guys, and that's what you're typing out for primary sources later on because the, you don't write in diaries no more. You don't write letters to the editor newspaper anymore. You're he's going to be looking through your tweets. He's going to be looking through your Instagram posts. Yeah. He's going to be looking through your Facebook posts. Just remember that this is one day going to be the study of historical research, <laughs> and that some poor grad kid grad student is going to have to dig through your freaking post uh, to look for things that could have happened. Like, what was the, the reaction to you know to the Paris, Paris attacks in the United States? And there's a chance he's going to see your stupid picture with the, yeah. the French flag filter on Facebook that everyone put up after the Paris attacks. And then he's going to have to read your really half-informed uh, post about Paris which some of you probably thought he was talking about Paris, Texas. Yeah, uh, or Tennessee, and not even really know where Paris is or anything yeah. about the culture or anything. Yeah. And, I, and uh, my kids, are you serious? And I'm like, yeah. I go, as a historian, you- I've poured through like diary entries and things like that, and this is how you keep diaries. It's through this. This is how you keep your day-to-day occurrences. It's through your social media stuff. Yeah, it's, a, it's the equivalent now, and it's so... It's trippy and it's kind of depressing actually. Like it makes me really. I've consider, I've gotten off social media before. And I've gotten back on, and um, I, I just started watching the show Mr. Robot. Um, I want to watch it. I ain't a chance to. Kev, by the way, Kevin, I'm going to watch it. Kevin, watch if you're listening to this. I'm going to watch it. I'm going to take your advice. I'm sorry that I haven't had a chance to yet, but you're a wonderful human being, and we miss you terribly here in Arkansas. I don't. He uh, left us. Forget <laughs> Kevin. Uh, I'm just joking. I but, yeah, I want to watch Mr. Robot. Go ahead. I'm sorry. No, yeah. Uh, well, Kevin, I have watched about the most of the first season, and I got to say, it's fantastic. Really well done. Um, but what, uh, what's interesting about it is the, the main character. You know, he's a hacker, and and what he does immediately if he meets somebody is he like hacks into all their stuff and reads their emails and looks at their Facebooks and their Instagrams and he's and it kind of blows my mind because then what I'm realizing is like. Yeah, well, for one, not that anyone gives a crap about anything I've ever posted, or but like you're talking about, like in a hundred years, if someone's looking back at, okay, just th- this is a good source of some information of someone in the South and blah blah blah. Well, then I want to not look like a fool. I want to like I want um, to not that like what we say we should always be worried about like what people are going to think or see or, or view it as. But like you just said, like. Get Dark Souls, woo! Like I, you know, that's not what I want to be communicating. Like if there's a an attack on Paris or a national event or a, a, an an election, I've always not I've always not talked about politics ever. But it makes me wonder, like, man, what if I had um, an informed opinion? Um, but I'm also kind of the naysayer who's watched Fight Club too many times, who's just like, 
yeah, nobody cares though about your thoughts and your opinions, and uh, and that's what what is it on Sherlock Holmes uh, on the new the new one with Benedict Cumberbatch and um, uh, Martin Freeman like he's writing a blog. He's what are you doing? He's like I'm writing a blog about like you know our stories, and he's like Ugh. like why would you suffer your opinions on the world? And it's like I kind of I kind of line up more with that. Yeah, but you remember, but also in that same scene though, is he goes, "How many views do we have?" or whatever, and he tells him, he goes, "Why is anybody?" And Sherlock even says to that point though, "Who's why isn't anybody reading my blog?" And he goes, "Because your blog is just the catalog of how many seeds or something like that." He goes, "Or what type of plant has this type of seeds?" He said, "And no one wants to hear that." Um, it's so I mean, even playing off of that, and well, true, yeah. Uh, but I, yeah, I totally agree. Uh, I totally agree, and it, it, we're kind of over the. We're not going to get to what we plan on talking about today, which I think that's fine. Um, we can talk about it later. Yeah, that's the great thing about podcasts. <laughs> we can release this thing two weeks later, so the same conversation going, and you will not know viewing public. If either of us are ever sick, that will be a really bad telltale. I was like, <laughs> oh, these are two were done together. <laughs> He had coffee in that episode. No, um, why so it, why does everyone have a voice synthesizer on this <laughs> one? Uh. Where's that pen go? <laughs> um, so yeah, sorry. Um, but just what you said about Fight Club, isn't it crazy though that where most of our philosophical musings come from now is from media? Oh, like because here's the thing though, the Seven Fight Club that's not a new thing. Like the writer of, of Fight Club, whose name uh, I can't remember. <laughs> um, whose name I can't remember right now, he didn't come up with that on his own. That that's literally, That is very much a nihilistic, very philosophical thing that's been going on since Nietzsche. Yeah. Uh, but where do we get that distilled down into? It's from media. Yeah, from, from a two-hour movie that we can just sit and enjoy instead of having to read all of Nietzsche's work. Yeah, which is, I mean, which is really nice in a way, but also it's scary because we're only getting the part that's cherry-picked that makes a good movie, not is what is actually, mm-hmm. you know. Because you read Nietzsche and... He's very much true. You stare into the abyss, and the abyss stares into you, and the abyss is Nietzsche's work. Oh, gosh. Uh, John Michael, this one's for you. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, but I, I think that's interesting, though, is that, and it's also sad, because, I mean, I'm right, you know, like, I try to read Sword and Kierkegaard stuff to try to get an idea about humanism and uh, existentialism and stuff like that, and uh, I tried reading Kierkegaard stuff and uh, blew my mind, and I had to put it down to give me a headache. And that's really sad, though, because I like Kierkegaard's... I like what I know about his stuff, but it's had to been disseminated to me by someone else. Right, right. Uh, <laughs> you know, and, and you know that, and that's the reason why you need people like a C.S. Lewis that's able to disseminate down deep theological ideas into very practical, practical things. But now, even so, we don't... That's still disseminated down even further through social media. Like, we have these big ideas that philosophers and thinkers and historians and everyone else talked about and scientists, and then they're disseminated down through writers like C.S. Lewis or an author or someone like that. And then now what's even crazier is that they're disseminated down even further into, uh, you know, into 160 characters or less Twitter or tweet or, you know, an Instagram picture that's a meme. Uh, Like, that's just it's crazy to me and it, it's sad at the same time because we're teaching people the appearance of being intelligent or the appearance of being knowledgeable without actually making them do the work to become knowledgeable and gain that appearance oh yeah um well you know you can even spin that into christian life you can see the only people something that someone might post on facebook or instagram or twitter is 
playing in the worship band or hey we're you know handing out you know give ladling out soup to to the homeless or that's all they put on there and yeah that might occupy two nights out of their week but the they appear like a super spiritual person, but they've never. But because of the fact of the the lesser connection, it can lead to people only being Facebook Christians or Facebook devout. Oh, dude! And, and so you don't have to. You don't have to as much as you maybe used to in the past. Have to work for that appearance. Um, well, yeah, we because now you, all that information is like tertiary. Now, I mean, you're yeah. communicating with a device, and then someone else is looking at their device, and so and and what they, like you said, um, the appearance that you're you're putting on. Yeah, social media has allowed us to wear masks more than I think ever before, because yep. ultimately now people can literally, like you said, um, people can have opinions of people they've never met. That they're getting daily updates on, yeah. where it used to maybe it was like a, in a newspaper or someone, a friend of a friend told you about so and so, or maybe got a letter from. But now it's like no, you can see like you're saying if someone's you know retweeting them, uh, even if it's even if it wasn't something like uh, on a Christian lens, if it was something from uh, every time maybe when they go to the gym or they talk about their eating, blah 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 blah. But like then you meet them face to face and they're out of shape. Yeah, and, you know, and it's like what I thought that. All you talk about is bananas and treadmill time and getting swole and but it's because like people now can lie easier than they ever yeah. have before. It's it, social media is allowed for greater community and also it's allowed for community that's a mile wide and an inch deep instead of an inch deep and a mile. I mean an inch wide and a mile deep. Yeah. Um, and so it allows for very like it's great in the fact that like when social media is done right and everybody's honest on social media, it can lead to really good community because it, it, it surpasses time, it surpasses uh, distance, it surpasses even language barriers. Yeah, you know it surpasses time zones. Social media is great. I mean we we as I mean even a, as something as as dumb and as uh, stationary as a D and D group benefit from from technology because we have two people from Florida Skype in and play with us. I mean, yeah, uh, true. I, I mean, even to that point, the connect. You know, it's so easy for us to connect, but also it's so easy easier for us to make the appearances of connections and not any at all. I mean, you can tailor your Facebook to see who shows up first. You can tailor your Instagram to see who actually shows up and still be friends or followers. Uh, hashtags allow you to differentiate between which political party you want. And this goes back to our uh, kind of what we originally talked about is that even today you could see through social media, it's really clear, like with the Republicans, what happens when you hitch your religion to politics. Because mm-hmm. you're seeing people who voted Republican their entire life because they thought that was the the a Christian thing to do. And now you have someone like Trump who is clearly not in whatever. If you're a Trump supporter, I'm sorry. There is not any appearance. He is not bearing good fruit. Uh, and that's what we're supposed to judge as Christians. Like there, I don't, yeah. uh, and of course Hillary isn't either. I'm not saying that at all, but there is no even appearance of bearing good. Right. Fruit. Like, like don't be duped by yeah. the tagline that he might put on a tweet. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, it's, it's interesting. It's interesting. Um, if you were hoping for Star Wars talk or fart jokes, yeah, or, this is weird. It was like we were thinking about—I don't know how long we've been talking, but um, forty-eight minutes. Uh, wowzers! You know, it was like we had some uh, shows and some comic books to, that we were going to talk about, and now we just talked about philosophy and somberness and nine eleven and, uh, geez, Louise. I can't believe that you talked about how 9-11 was representative of the fall. It's kind of poor taste. 
how is that poor taste? That's like spot on, bro. And that's not in any disrespect whatsoever. Yeah, I know, but still. You can't try to make this bad. I'm not going to make it bad, but it was just interesting, though, that almost the metaphor lined up too much to where it almost strayed into feeling like parody just for a second. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> it's been a long time. Give me a break. But, like, um, the, the... Between the fall of the towers um, and the fall of mankind. I mean, it is poignant to an extent, but if you're not careful... Uh, it might seem like parody. I know. No, I'm not saying if someone else had handled it. I'm not saying you. Well, no. I'm, but but I, I I think I go back to like um, every story in one yeah, way or another. Every, every story, and so even that story yep. uh, somehow has those parallels, or has it's a shadow of God's story. Uh, yep. I mean, what think about your movies? I mean, The Lion King, bro. I mean, there yep. is a a creation. Everything's sunny and nice and happy and fun, and then guess what? There's there's death and destruction and loneliness and suffering. And then there's redemption. And then what happens at the freaking end of the Lion King? Everything comes alive now. All the yeah. animals are happy. Well, so you're, even, you're even seeing so, that. Even stuff that's theme. even more complicated storytelling. We, we need to wind this down real oh, you quick. You just click the button, bro. I know. <laughs> uh, that even stuff that has more complicated storytelling than that, though, even takes pieces of that. Like, oh, totally. Like, for instance, uh, uh, just probably, I've just thought of like one of the darkest examples I can think of, like Sons of Anarchy. Sons of Anarchy comes in and only focuses in on the fall and failed redemption of people. Right. You know what I mean? And that the redemption that the redemption story it tells is very much uh it is very much uh, a dark shadow of the gospel. Because I mean well, spoiler alert by the way for Sons of Anarchy. But like for instance the last scene of him holding his hands out like he's on a cross and then when he gets hit by the truck the blood combining with the bread and Dude, it's uh, but, but like that's the thing though, like that's what I meant about like every story. Yeah. Because what you're doing is you're seeing a shadow of yeah, yeah. you may not see the full scope yeah, of I the story. Giving, I was giving the antithesis of like the Lion King, which is a really clear, like right. very much happy, uh broken the fight, the the fight between good and evil, mm-hmm. and then rest- restoration. But even stuff like that doesn't show true restoration, or that is dark, has some sort of redemptive element in it. Oh uh, yeah, and I mean, and I think even if it's a very dark, dark shadow uh, of 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 that, it's there. Uh, yep. Uh, <laughs> well, I can keep talking. I mean, I shut it off. Oh, it's it's. Uh... All right. Do you have anything else you want to say about nine eleven or about uh, how technology influenced the way we view things, including philosophy or how it affects community? Uh, or... not, not that anyone would care to hear. Yeah, Fight Club. Uh... 